I'm Duncan McLeod, and this is TCS, the show brought to you by Tech Central. Visit us at techcentral.co.za. And if you haven't subscribed yet, do so on YouTube at youtube.com slash techcentral. Now, I'm pleased to welcome back a familiar face to the show. Tesh Dervasula is Chief Executive of Africa Data Centers, part of Cassava Technologies. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly this time. Well done, Duncan. Well Thank done. Thank you, Tesh. Well Thank done. you. You're in New York today? I am. Great, yep. great. Do you, yep. where, where do you spend yeah. most of your time, yeah. by the way? So um, Africa, uh, London, and, uh, and then in front of clients. And uh, many of our clients are North American-based mm-hmm. uh, uh, hyperscale. So the, it calls me to come to the U.S. and, and Europe. Okay. A lot of their EMEA decisions are made out of, uh, uh, out of Europe. Quite frankly, so it's it's convenient to stay in in London or uh, or parts of Europe. Parts of Europe, okay, okay. Well, it's good to see yeah. see you. Welcome, welcome again to uh, to the show. Um, what have you been up to since we last? Thanks for having. What have you been up to since since we last spoke? You mentioned that um, you've you've there's some activity going on in West Africa. Well, we um, we announced uh, in the fall of 21 that we had aspirations to be in 10 countries. Uh, we're currently operating in three with a partnership in a fourth in Togo, but we are now um, we're pleased to announce uh, that we're uh, we're going to be building in Ghana shortly. And so, uh, West Africa is very important to a the uh, the continent of Africa, uh, and b um, you know next to our Nigeria Lagos uh, market, we know that Ghana to be a a very uh, you know, rich and fertile ground for digitalization. Uh, we uh, we've got the support of the the local governments and uh, ministry, and so we're very excited for our uh, expansion into uh, Ghana. Brilliant. So, w- just maybe take us through the the scale of the data center you're planning to build there, and what is what are some of the challenges you're facing in in, in that particular market? I know that. Uh, I know that Ghana hasn't had the best time economically over the last couple of years, and they've had very high inflation. Um, how does how has that played into your investments thinking around that market? Listen, at a macro level, the entire planet's suffering from some sort of inflation. So um, we're not going to base our long-term strategy on some short-term events that are happening um, on a on a fiscal policy basis. Um, We've always said from Cape Town to Casablanca, from Lagos to Nairobi, we were interested in going north, south, east, and west. Uh, There's uh, half a dozen to a dozen countries that we want to be in, in, um, and and some of those are in West Africa. So whether right now, uh, Ghana became very attractive to us. It's part of our mission. Um, I think the short-term challenges are okay. We'll we'll get through them. Um, the people there will still need data centers. To answer your question directly about our size, um, we typically buy enough land to build campuses of anywhere from um, 10 to 20, 30 megawatts. Uh, but we typically start smaller, uh, five megawatt type shells, with one to three megawatts of initial capacity with the ability to grow that 5X if we need to. And, uh, you know, we think uh, Ghana, will, Ghana will be the same. We won't, uh, we won't 
go away from our traditional model. It's our most efficient use of capital, and it allows us to deploy capital as demand is coming. So it's uh, it's it's good. It's good on both sides for us. Right, Tesh. So our, our topic of discussion today is digital transformation in Africa, and it's obviously digital transformation is a is a hot button topic and has been for several years. Um, I, I, I tend to get a, a different view on what it means exactly, depending on on who I'm talking to. Um, so perhaps in the context of cloud and data centers, what is your definition of digital transformation? Um, I, th- I think it's it's two or threefold, right? Um, at at the cleanest level, you know, how is the digitization of, of uh, products and services impacting the lives of mm-hmm. Africans, right? And so, you know, can you open a bank account? Can you get healthcare services? Can you transfer money? Can you uh, view entertainment? Um, you know, are you getting, are you getting the applications that you need to, um, to help your life. And, and that transformation is happening. Um, uh, you're in Johannesburg. Uh, I operate in four different countries. Um, if you, if you go, uh, outside, it's pretty tough not to see someone looking down at their phone. And so Africa is getting connected. They're getting connected quickly. And whether it's, uh, whether it's ADC and our data centers, or some of uh, the other infrastructure providers in the on uh, on the continent, it's happening very mm-hmm. fast. Um, this recent uh, economic challenge, with uh, you mentioned high inflation mm-hmm. earlier, uh, you know it's 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 pausing or slowing down some um, some development because people have to be very careful about where they put their money and and how long it takes to invest it. Um, so that is uh, that's you know that's a macro level uh, challenge, but the but the uh, the fundamentals are still there, right? We have uh, 1.4 billion people at the end of the at the end of this decade, um, of which 400 million are going to be between the age of 18 and 35. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I've used this term, uh, Duncan, on your show before. I call it the restless youth of Africa. They they want to do things differently, and uh, and they're and they're and they're not they're not slowing down. So I see that we're going to continue to move forward um, in spite of some you know short term economic yeah. issues. It's interesting to talk about investment in in data centers. I've seen some reports lately suggesting that. Uh, Particularly with the uh, the, the um, hiking in interest rates in the U.S., that uh, a lot of the global capital that was flowing, particularly from America and into emerging markets and into the tech space, and specifically into into venture capital and startups, uh, has dried up, um, and a lot of that money was flowing into Africa. Uh, are you seeing a similar sort of effect in the infrastructure side of things in the data center bills, or is there still a huge appetite there for by investors to invest in new infrastructure? Yeah, I, I think there's. Um, I, I listen. You you have to be. Uh, your comments are valid. Uh, you're definitely seeing some concern. Um, this is probably the most difficult environment in the last 25 years oh. to deploy to deploy capital in and raise capital in. Um, I speak to my friends in North America, Europe, uh, Central, Eastern Europe. It's it's a very difficult environment. So having said that, um, 
we have seen a, a bigger interest in Africa in the last 12 to 18 months than we've seen ever before. Um, recently you had, uh, we did a, gra a groundbreaking in Kenya, um, ambassador from the United States, uh, ambassador Meg, uh, Margaret Meg Whitman was uh, in attendance. And uh, we announced that we're building and are expanding our current data center and, and building a new one. Um, I think uh, uh, Vice President Kamala Harris was in, uh, was in uh, Africa uh, three weeks ago. And so I think the interest from the from United States and the West to continue to support African development is there. Um, in spite of the short-term uh, economic uh, challenges. And remember, you can't make uh, these decisions based on what's exactly happening mm -hmm. today, right? You have a long-term view of Africa being um, a continent that can support uh, a digital infrastructure. Uh, you want to help both um, the the growing middle class and the educated population of Africa participate in the digital economy. And so many uh, direct foreign investment funds are still active in Africa and then still uh, providing uh, resources for investment. And, uh, you know, we want to thank our partners, uh, the DFC and the IFC for continuing to help us. And they are been, uh, they've been fantastic partners. Uh, and we think that we're going to prove them right, that over time, these are the markets that you want to invest in. What is the potential of the African continent for the business that you're in? There's been a lot of in investments in data centers across, particularly here in South Africa, actually, funnily enough. A lot of companies seem to be choosing Johannesburg as their base for, for, for ser serving the rest of the, the continent. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, do you have a view on, on, on companies coming in and building these hyperscale data centers in Joburg to serve the whole continent? Because you're building data centers right across the continent. Um, some companies seem to have yeah. the approach, well, we'll just put one down in Joburg and serve the whole of Africa. You're taking a different approach. You're saying there needs to be one in all the major markets. Africa has 51 beautiful countries. And um, my belief is, and our belief is that all of those countries are, deserve good, solid infrastructure. Mm -hmm. um, everyone has to play, pick a place to go first. And so <laughs> Johannesburg has been a place to uh, land. Um, and for good reason, you know, there's uh, a, the, the capital markets are very, uh, they're very mature. Uh, South African exchange, uh, banking, healthcare, uh, government are all uh, strong in South Africa. So it makes, uh, it makes good sense to make, uh, if you're going to make your first move, you can, South Africa is a great choice. We also happen to believe Nairobi is a great choice. We also believe Lagos is a great choice. And now recently, um, Ghana and Accra. And soon we'll, we'll be in, um, you know, North Africa, um, in whether it's uh, Morocco or, or, uh, um, or, or Egypt. You know, we're going to go to where the, where the businesses yeah. are. If you look at the African 500, you know, Africa's 500 largest companies. They span all sorts of, uh, those enterprises span all sorts of uh, businesses. And so, and, and you realize that they are all over Africa. 
Um, so of course, you know, some markets uh, enjoy tourism uh, as, as a number one trade, um, but whether it's coffee, energy, minerals, mining, uh, there's lots to do in Africa. So we believe that you have to be everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen um, in whether in North America, you know, the Internet capital of the world was Northern Virginia for the longest time. And it spread to the rest of the states in Europe, Western Europe. It was uh, Slough in, in London, outside of London. And it's now moved to other countries um, same thing's going to happen in Africa. Yeah. I think, uh, I think South Africa is a great place to start. Um, if that's what you choose, but we also believe that there's lots of, uh, lots of business mm-hmm. everywhere. You um, spoke a bit earlier about the youth in Africa wanting to do things differently and perhaps having a different outlook on the world. Um, yeah. uh, perhaps get a view and, and steering back to the, the, the topic of digital transformation. Are there, some unique sure. challenges that this continent faces, um, particularly when it comes to establishing data centers and, and cloud infrastructure. We can we can attack this question. We can spend hours on this, uh, so probably longer than we have for this uh, for this interview. Uh, first and foremost, the the standard infrastructure has to get in place, right? So, um, if you're in South Africa right now, you realize that load shedding is still a big challenge. And uh, a data center needs power. And most of the digital transformation requires some units of power. So good, clean energy in Africa is going to be a gating item everywhere you go. Um, Nairobi is, uh, you you know, if you're in the city center of uh, Nairobi, you know, 70%, 75% of the power is renewable energy. So... Um, and the grid is, you know, three nines reliable. So there's a, there's a good advantage there to, you know, think about Kenya as an opportunity to grow. Um, there is a challenge with, uh, you talked about inflation. So uh, foreign currency exchange and um, is, is a huge challenge. You know, if you're not pegged to the U.S. dollar, sterling or euro um and there is no you know free auction and you can't write contracts in you know local currency can be very difficult to operate in um whether it be zimbabwe kenya shilling um whatever um you know the rand i think you know is you know upwards of 18.2 (laughs) There, there you have it. And last year it was 16. So, you know, that's a, that's a huge change for companies who are trying to write for multinational country companies who are trying to write contracts in, uh, in dollars or euros or pounds. So, um, so those are some of the things that are going to be challenges for people. Yep. Um, the other one is, is, is governments, right? Um, lots of governments are very supportive and have some sort of ICT, data, uh, telecoms minister and commissioner that is focused on this transformation. Others don't. And so as we 
as governments continue to get more educated on how they can provide services for the for the for the country, simple things like you know title to land or um, driver's licenses, right? These are services in terms of digital transformation. The government wants to support. They want to have it digitized. They don't want paper. And when they're the when they're taking the the progressive uh, view on these things, it's very helpful to us as service providers because we can assist mm-hmm. them get there. And then all of the big application providers, Microsoft, Google, uh, Oracle, uh, you know, they're all coming into Africa trying to try to help. Uh, these governments, uh, you know, so it's easy for you to go get your driver's license, um, uh, you know, on the internet versus standing in line at a, at a facility. In your experience, is it getting easier or more difficult to do business in Africa, generally speaking in the major markets? Um, I think it's generally getting easier. Um, I think in spite of the short term challenges where like, if you said data center five years ago in Africa, they'd say, what, who? Uh, and now everybody knows what a data center is. Um, uh, the telecom companies, uh, you know, Liquid, our, uh, one of our sister company, uh, MTN, Vodafone, these guys have done a really good job of build, building network infrastructure into and around the continent. You've got two major cables being built by um, hyperscale North American uh, cloud providers coming into service now um, in uh, Africa too and Equino. So I think the infrastructure is getting in place and the education is getting in place. And that's the other thing, the education. We, you know, five years ago, it was really difficult to get a uh, physical engineer to work at a data center. You know, now, now those skills are coming into the country. People are training in, uh, in in uh, facility management and that's uh, that's happening. Um, there's always going to be some bad people, Duncan. We know that. Um, the, what's gone on with Erscom and and the power in South Africa? I you know when that's when the story's finally written on that. You know there's going to be some very bad people took a lot of money and defrauded you know, a lot of South Africans of, 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 of basic services. Uh, so barring that, that kind of behavior, I think, you know, I think people are really uh, looking forward to helping us and governments are doing their part in helping us. Let's drill down onto South Africa specifically because you mentioned them. You mentioned the ESCOM example, um, and you're sitting in New York right now. Um, what is the what is what is the American view of of South Africa? We've had this uh, situation now with the Russian ship and the the alleged arms shipments to Russia, etc. What has that actually meant uh, on the global stage for the view of South Africa as an investment destination? I don't speak for the government um, or uh, but just a feeling amongst business South people Africa. about yeah uh, yeah about the yeah. yeah. Yeah, look, look, I I believe that if you're if you're looking at um, African continent, South Africa is a major piece of that, right? And if you look at the, like I said the uh, earlier, uh, if you look at the African 500 uh, companies, um, I think 22 or 25 percent of them are in South Africa. So whether it be Standard Bank or Old Mo, these are big, recognizable, global names. 
um, at the end of the day, nobody wants uh, any kind of uh, escalation here. And I think, yes, there was that initial uh, saber rattling from both sides. You know, we can do what we want and, you know, we're not going to like that. And you saw, uh, I think it went up to, like you said, 19.4, you know, ran to dollar. But since then, I think everyone's kind of pulled their statements back and cooler heads will prevail. Um, I can tell you in the, in, the, in the places I run in and the people that I talk to, they view South Africa as a vital partner uh, to the U.S., an area that if, if, if the U.S. wants to continue its uh, intentional efforts to uh, help the African people, South Africa is going to be a big part of that. And uh, it's not the only part, though. And, and because of that, they sh- you know, everyone should be careful, right? Um, there's, like I said, 50 other countries you can invest in, and, um, and they all would like the resources that uh, the West can yeah. bring them. Um, and, but the West has to realize, and for the last six to 10 years, um, the East has spent a lot of time and money mm-hmm. in in Africa, right? There's been lots of development uh, aided and helped by Chinese and Indians. So um, they have they have options also. So I think uh, it's very important that both parties uh, understand uh, how to talk to each other and do it in a civil manner. And uh, here's the thing, right? History is proof. When we trade with each other, we share education, we share technology, everyone moves up and to the right. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, that's where I think we will end up landing. But uh, a bit bumpy along the way. As we know, it's a little bumpy along the way. But uh, I mean, listen, I don't know how many millions or billions of dollars um, the power company took of funds from across the world to build infrastructure in South Africa. And not only was it not built, you know, I, I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but some portion, a major portion of the power in South Africa is still coal. Yes. And so, you know, so how is it that, you know, for the last, you know, 25, 30 years, um, South African governments have been at, you know, and companies were taking money from the West and from everywhere else, and it didn't go into the infrastructure. That type of behavior, and that's globally, right? You know, U.S. needs to do its own work in, in improving infrastructure, but South Africa claims to be, you know, one of the most advanced nations on the continent. Mm-hmm. I travel, I've, you know, visited four continents in the last 12 months. Um, I haven't been stuck on an elevator or an escalator anywhere else, but in South Africa, <laughs> because look, it, and it's just a fact. And so it, that, that, that's the part where I think we just got to look deep and say, how do we, how do we make this better? And I think we can, mm-hmm. I think there's a, I think, like I said, there's a lot of good interest and I, uh, um, you know, talking about digital transformation, um, 
the West has spent has spent a lot of time uh, looking at how do we bring services to the African continent, mm -hmm. and I think that conversation is more vital now than it's ever mm -hmm. been. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a bit about uh, success stories, uh, the, uh, uh, particularly well, around digital transformation initiatives and data center developments on the continent. Uh, can you maybe share mm -hmm. some examples with us of, um, it doesn't necessarily have to be as a direct result of an Africa data center build, but just some sure. examples of how sure. cloud computing, how um, cloud, sure. just cloud infrastructure that companies like Africa data center, centers is deploying on the mm -hmm. continent um, has directly impacted on people's lives. Take Kenya, for example, um, you know, it, it took the average Kenyan three years ago, about a week to open a bank account, maybe longer, right? Had to fill out paperwork, triplicate, show up, go. Now you can do that online. You know, all, all of, not all, but many of the larger financial services in, um, in Africa, you know, if, if no matter what your profession is, if you've got a few Kenyan shillings, rand, whatever it is, you can open up your phone and and make a deposit and create uh, create security for yourself. Mm -hmm. That's a huge advantage for many uh, Africans and young people, especially. So from that, they you know create the next opportunities. They can trade and buy securities on the London Stock Exchange, the South African Stock Exchange, et cetera. So um, I'd say that you know financial services is one. The second is healthcare. We're seeing more and more, uh, there's a big, uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, investment from large multinational companies to help countries with their national healthcare systems. Mm -hmm. And um, Oracle, Microsoft, Amazon, they're all spending time and money in country, helping the governments improve how they disperse and help with everything from social, uh, you know, social health care to uh, your, your retirement and pension payments, etc. These are huge advantages for lots of middle class working Africans. Mm -hmm. And it's not sexy, mm -hmm. right? Oh, it's not. It's not a, a space, a moonshot to uh, to Mars. It's not. Oh, look at this big, uh, sexy game. But it's this type of stuff. It's the simple blocking and tackling that makes everyone's lives better, mm -hmm. and it's very impactful, right? When you know that you can open an account and you have, you know, where your pension funds are and you can look at your money that you've earned, that's very satisfying to the average African. Yeah. And listen, um, you know, this is, we're, we're still a very young continent. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, I, I keep referring to this restless youth. Well, they, they are going to be driving a lot of this, uh, this change. So specifically, I would, you know, what I'm seeing is, is financial services, banking, um, Electronic payments, right? You're seeing more and more cashless transactions across the continent, um, and then um, and then the the government helping in everyday life, whether it be pension or healthcare. Mm -hmm. That's where you're seeing a lot of digital transformation. Yeah. 
and that all flows out of uh, these investments in data centers. I suppose sometimes it's difficult to to measure. Well, ten- I would say I would say bro- I, I'm going to say excuse me, I don't mean to. No, no, please. Broadly, I would say it's digital digital infrastructure, sure. right? It's, undersea cables. It's, it's fiber fiber optics, undersea cables, towers, uh, wireless, uh, and data centers. Yeah. You know. So you put all of them together and, and that's what's happening. And that's why a lot of the investment comes out of telecom companies, yep. you know, you know, same, you know, our, our roots are from liquid network, uh, but there's MTN, there's Vodafone, there's, sure. you know, lots of large companies. I was going to say is I think it's probably quite difficult to tangi- tangibly measure the economic impact that flows out of these investments because, I mean, how do you actually measure the economic importance and impact of uh, the ability of a Kenyan to open a digital bank account in a few seconds? I mean, how do you, how do you actually determine what impact this is all having on economic growth and development in Africa? I suppose you can look at the human development uh, uh, numbers out of uh, out of uh, the World Health Organization, I guess you could look, even look at numbers like that uh, uh, and, and GDP numbers, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. But how do you actually quantify the impact that investment in digital infrastructure is having on the broader economies in Africa? Yeah. So I think you look at, um, there's a bunch of metrics, right? Uh, so you mentioned one, you know, World Health Organization, communicable diseases and education around uh, uh, hygiene and healthcare, um, literacy rates, Right. As literacy rates move up, you know that you're, you're participating in, in, a, in a more mobile economy, in a more educated economy. Um, in, you know, we talked about infectious disease, you know, infectious disease down, literacy rates up. Right. Uh, GDP, household income up. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, then the, you're seeing that happen. If you look at how we measured it in North America, in Europe. Central and Eastern Europe, and I would say you use the same metrics. Mm-hmm. Um, there, you're, you're right. It's it is a little nebulous because it's difficult to talk about um, how many lives you impacted with a data center. But we've gone mobile, so we can measure um, mobility, uh, digital uh, uh, mobile phones into an economy. Right? How many millions or billions of phones? are being sold into the market. From that, you can then go to the next level, which is, you know, what types of applications are they using? How much data is being consumed? And one of the things that we measure, so Africa is growing at one of the fastest rates, right? It's, it's you know, doubling almost every 18 months or something like that. The problem is it's still only 3% of what's happening in North America and like 4% of what's happening in Europe. So we are making unbelievable progress and there are a bunch of metrics that we can measure. Um, But I would say that we've got it. The number one thing is that education literacy rates and and that household income, Mm -hmm. right? When, When the average person's household income is moving up, then you you know that you you're having an impact mm-hmm. on the mm-hmm. on the planet. Mm-hmm. So now the infrastructure we're talking about, the digital infrastructure we're talking about, in many ways is is kind yeah. of the base for for everything else that's going to flow. Um, uh, in, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of innovation in banking and in, in industries across the board, um, in terms of yeah. things like artificial intelligence, which has got the world excited at the moment, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Let, let's explore that in a bit of detail as we as we. Sure 
come to the, towards the end of the conversation. I wanted to maybe start by talking about sure. the regulatory landscape. Um, and uh, as you're building these data centers, um, what are some of the challenges you face in terms of um, uh, in terms of regulation around security, around data privacy, around similar issues? Uh, and do those differ from what you see in other markets? Sure. So, um, you know, that's a very, very, that part of what we need in terms of regular regulatory issues and data privacy. So GDPR um, is kind of the, the, one of the standards that are, is being considered. And we need, we need that type of regulate regulation in all the countries. Now, like I said, 51 countries, 41 different currencies in Africa, which is uh, French for we don't agree on much. <laughs> and, and, and so we're going to have to agree on some sort of an Africa Union kind of data policy. So, you know, information that's created in one market has, uh, can, you know, can be safe there and countries agree to hold other countries information, which that's a very sensitive issue. Um, companies holding other companies information, also a very sensitive issue. So we need more maturity and um, we need more uh, sophistication around that. When it comes to AI, um, you're seeing, you know, basically two schools of thought um, appear right now. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with the, the big pause letter, right? Uh, the letter signed by many uh, very, uh, uh, very senior uh, people, prestigious yeah. uh, luminaries, yeah, Steve Musk. Wozniak, uh, yeah, Elon Musk, etc. Mm -hmm. So there's one group that says, hey, we got to just pause and let's take a look at what we're doing. And there's another group that says, no, we're going to run as fast as we can because um, what we've seen and, and, and I, you know, not that m my, my view is anywhere uh, in the same uh, breath as uh, Wozniak or, or Musk's, but I would tell you that if you look through history, mm -hmm. whether it was running water, the wheel, the combustion engine, the internet, you know, man has stood alongside technology and there's going to be a certain amount of disruption that happens at first, but then usually there's an expansion of wealth, an expansion of knowledge, an expansion of safety and humanity, and, and we do better over time. I, I believe that's the same thing's going to happen, but people are concerned because there's, there's obviously um, huge impacts uh, to, to the social well-being of our, of our folks. But if you, you know, drill down a little bit more and talk about infrastructure and what it means. So the, you know, average search, if you go on Google or whatever your search engine is uh, of the day, you know, it takes whatever, one KW of power or a little less than a KW of power, one megabit of compute and storage capacity. An AI search takes five to 10x more capacity. So that means you, you need, you know, five to 10x more uh, fiber optic capacity, uh, mobile capacity, uh, uh, data center capacity. Everything is going to be, you know, you need more of it. And, 
you know, this, this, if you, you know, if you're old like me, um, you can, you remember when the internet was about, you know, people just saving pictures for grandma. And, and uh, now we're at an incredibly new place in, in, in development. So in terms of investment that's going to happen and where it goes and to drill down even further, you know, which industry is going to be impacted the most. And if you struggle with just, let's use two big things that are an issue in Africa, right? We want more doctors and we want more teachers. Mm -hmm. If I have access to all of the medical information on the planet and access to all of the written knowledge on the planet through an AI source, do you think I can impact literacy rates and health care in Africa? Yeah, absolutely. And if you're the working mother of two and you just want to get some meds for your two sick kids and you don't know what it is, and you can now do a similar pinprick like, uh, like you do for a diabetic blood sugar, and you have a little thing that you plug into your phone and you put that on there and it can do a full set of blood analysis for you, and then it says, I'm 93% sure you have this. And you have a doctor that just says, oh, we prescribed this for that. And that's the only thing you need the doctor for, for the meds piece. The working mother can now get meds. She can get her two kids feeling better and she can go back to the office. I think that's just going to be unbelievable. And, uh, and I think AI coming into... Africa or any market is going to be fantastic. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, for, for some people, it's going to be disruption for other people. It's going to be evolution. Yes. And, uh, you know, and, and I think let's, let's go focus on the evolutionary parts of this stuff because I think that's going to be very helpful, but, um, you know, getting back to your conversation, it's going to require capital. So there's going to need a lot more money. You're going to have to build twice as much infrastructure than we currently have in Africa. And that's going to mean, it's got to mean more jobs and more opportunity for the general African public. It's interesting, your example on healthcare. Someone gave me an example the other day of, of how it could be used in classrooms. You know, in Africa, there's a, there is a real shortage of, of, uh, of teachers and uh, classroom sizes tend to be quite large. And often you find kids get left behind because they just can't keep up with the majority of the class who are progressing. But if there was an AI tutor helping the, those kids, there could be individualized lessons where they are actually kept up all the time. And the computer, the AI, knows how far the various kids in the class are and able to help them on a one-on-one -on -one basis so that they all go through to the next grade with the same level of knowledge. Lovely. Um, so, so imagine AI tutor that, you know, first thing you do as a student is you read three paragraphs and then answer four questions and quickly it assesses your reading ability. Mm. Mm. And so it says, okay, this student is at, you know, this many words per minute and he retains, you know, so much percentage of the, what he just read. And then to your point, now you have AI assisted lessons that say, we just got to slow it down a little bit for him or her. And suddenly they're keeping up. And you know, you're showing progress. No teacher can do that. They just don't have the time. And yeah, the, the, exactly. They can't do they it. They just don't have the resource, the time they available can't. to manage every pupil individually. 100%. Yeah. 
yeah, I think I think there's you know people are worried about um, manufacturing, uh, engineering, and and those skills. I I think healthcare and education are going to be the ones um, that are going to be the most disruptive. Mm. Um, you, you know, the, the bright minds are still going to go to, you know, Harvard and Oxford and Cambridge, sure. and you're still going to have great, great institutions, but it's, it's going to be more of a nostalgic institutional value mm-hmm. than it is. What information does, does Trinity have that you can't get at your, at your fingertips, yeah. you know? Yeah. If, if you want to work at it and, and that's going to be the exciting thing, right? Because we're, you're going to find a bunch of kids who were just untapped because they didn't have the resources to get into the best school and stuff like that, but the minds were still there and we're going to start untapping those kids and, and giving them a, a platform to succeed. And they're going to, they're going to go. Yeah. I think that it's going to be fantastic. And democratize education. Um, but, yeah. Democratize education. But I think, you know, listen, not without risk. We we have seen that social media has some negative impacts on on society. Um, so let's learn from those lessons. I don't know if I don't know if regulation is the right answer, but you know, self regulation may be the right answer. But we've got to figure out how to how to do it. And uh, I saw Sam Altman um, was speaking, who's you know considered one of the you know thought leaders in AI. And he gave the example. He said, you know, listen, when Photoshop came out, everyone was, oh, this is really cool. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty quick. People were Photoshopping different faces on top of different bodies and doing all sorts of different fun things with Photoshop. But everyone figured out pretty quickly, oh, what's real? What's what's fake? and his the I think that analogy makes sense for AI. We're going to have to figure it out, with the exception of AI potentially has can cause more damage yes. if left un left un uh, unmanaged. Yeah. But uh, I, I'm with you. I, I'm an eternal optimist. I think the the education part of this is going to be fantastic, especially especially for Africa where you don't mm. have enough teachers. Exactly. You know? And 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 even. Even other skills, right? Like manufacturing, engineering, there's skills that we need to build more roads, to build more towers, to build more data centers. Yeah. You don't need a four-year degree for that, right? Just we can put you in front of a, a computer and have uh, and, and be taught those skills and, and go out to the workforce and start doing it. Yeah. Absolutely, so. absolutely, and uh, and of course AI yep. is brilliant for your business because uh, there's more demand for for data centers. I I, I did read a, a joke the other day. Someone suggested that the only company getting rich from AI is Nvidia because everyone's buying their equipment <laughs> at huge cost. Uh, but the, the the I suppose that investment has to happen up front. But the, the real benefit they uh, they were a great company before AI. They've been helping uh, helping people with AI. I mean, they're under great leadership. Yeah. But that is. I, I would, um, you know, if you if you didn't, if you could see one thing about AI or or, or kind of the engine, their um, their recent talk at their investor day is is worth a listen to. Okay, um, I must go and listen to that. But I, fascinating company. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, very fascinating. But but I, I I would say that that you know that that is the joke is is not lost on me. But listen, I, 
Sure. Google's coming. Um, Absolutely. Uh, Microsoft is coming, uh, and we have so many different applications that are coming, um, you know, above and beyond that. So I, I look forward to the next. We live in interesting times. We do indeed. So we, we, very, we do indeed. Yeah. My last question to you around, around AI, then, and yeah. to, to close the conversation today is, um, it's good good for, for for data center companies like Africa Data Centers. But how do you see AI yeah. being deployed uh, to make your data centers more efficient to help you do business better? Yeah, so I think I think all of what we were discussing today yep. is important, right? So uh, everything from design, foundational elements to how we build it, um, to analysis of where airflow is versus uh, energy consumption. What times of day should we turn uh, turn the cooling off or on? Um, I think all of these things that we're using kind of human judgment on, we can start relying on machines to start helping us. Um, And it can analyze, you know, for example, uh, security and maintenance, right? It can tell me exactly where, um, where the security threats are immediately. Mm. It can tell me where, you know, and it can do it across the entire continent, not just one facility. So I think there's going to be lots of little things that we're going to start bringing into the business um, on an analytics side. Um, you know, business analytics have, you know, the study of business analytics has been around for, you know, several years now. Um, I think all of that information will now be able to be used more, more, uh, more efficiently uh, as as AI comes into uh, comes into fold, so you know, on on an order of magnitude basis, I can't comment. Does it mean we're going to get ten percent more efficient or fifty percent more efficient? But my guess is that I will be using more of the data that we produce yeah. to help us run the business. Right, and in future, you may even yeah. be able to predict and say, well, that power relay in that part of the data center is likely to fail based on our knowledge of what's happened elsewhere in this facility. And you should probably look at it, if not consider replacing it, for example. I, I think mean time to repair are, is one of the, one of the things that you'll see exactly. And, and we're always like, as listen, we're always trying to push one more drop of juice out of the orange, right? <laughs> as humans, right? So, so we're going to be, but, but now you'll know the calculated risk yeah. associated yeah. with that. Um, so we're we're looking at it. I still think it's it's a few years away before it actually starts impacting our day to day life. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, Duncan, you're you you're spot on. I believe that that is going to be impacting our operation. Mm-hmm. Tesh Dervasula is chief executive of Africa Data Centers. Thanks, as always, Tesh, for sharing your valuable insights with our audience. Much appreciated. Duncan, thank you. Have a great day and a good weekend. Thank you so much, Tish. Take care.